Welcome to the Coat Hanger on 2SER 107.3 FM. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Euro Nation, and we pay our respects to elders past and present. The Coat Hanger is a show and podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I'm your guest host, Peter Holden, filling in for the amazing Fee Lamb, and I'm joined today by... Emma Phillips, coming to you from Ngunnawal land. Coach Kiwi coming to you from Garangai land. Uh, and Sedina Taiti or T coming from Gadigal land. And we should welcome our special guest. <laughs> hey, Serena Tartay. Hi. Now, Some but, people might recognise his voice from Tuisia. <laughs> or you may have seen the form of this fantastic footballer running around as a New South Wales Masters player or in the <laughs> AFL, the AFL Ooh. New Zealand Women's Premiership with the Bulldogs last year. <laughs> We're really reaching oh, yeah. here, Pete. We're reaching. <laughs> Absolutely. Newtown Breakaways Division Three Women's Co-Coach. She was also an elite swimmer in New Zealand. In fact, I, I, I did a little research and on Google originally said you swam for Team Bath. And when I saw that, I go, well, who's <laughs> representing Team Shower? <laughs> are we really starting the show with a dad joke, Peter? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> you did Does, not warn us about that. Does Peter have children? Is there... <laughs> No, no. Exactly, exactly. Coming up on today's show, we've got a bit to go through, including a reversal of form for the GWS Giants after all, everything we talked about last week. The pressures that the players are facing with this constantly uh, changing fixture on the go. And uh, also um, a couple of surprises, maybe, in the results that we saw for uh, round four of the competition. But let's begin, first of all, Coach Kiwi. Um, the Pride game at Newtown, at uh, Henson Park, there was a lot of stuff about the Pride game beforehand. We touched on it last week about the jumpers and everything like that. We thought that was all done. And then Hanin Zarika says, nah, I'm sorry, I can't wear the jumper. I- I'm stepping away from this game. Yeah, boom, there it is, isn't it? It's um, Look, I think I understand that, you know, everyone has an opinion and, you know, she is deeply religious and she has chosen not to um, wear the jumper and to um, go by what her religion is telling her. I think for me, what I had issue with was in the media building up to what was going to be the Pride Gate Henson Park, it was instantly put to the side and it was all about a young female who's chosen not to um, play because of her religion. And I just thought, you know, the Giants probably could have handled it a little bit different. You know, handle it in-house and just say she's unavailable this week. Keep it on the down low. I don't think it needs to go to the media. And I just think, you know, for a young – she is young. And I imagine, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are against religions and against the choice that religions make, and especially Muslims. You know, there's a lot of people that have trouble around some of their um, beliefs. And I thought there's a lot of pressure on her, and no doubt she was copying it either through socials or, um, you know, on the street or, you know, she turned up to the game um, to watch her teammates, support her teammates. So I just thought they could have just kept it in-house and continue with the whole media presentation as, you know, we're pride. Because I had some really, you know, talented players out um, due to COVID. So just, you know, perhaps focus on who's coming into the team. We've got these new, young, exciting players. We're all about pride. It's in the inner west. It's, you know, the home of where Sydney Women's Football started. Let's focus on that, pride, 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 rather than, you know, talk about the religion. And one, you know, I think, what is she, 23, 24 years old, quite a young player, and you've reasonably new to the sport 
and that was where the focus got shifted. So I thought that was a little bit sad leading into the match. Do you guys know, was it a tactical leak that it got put out or was it just, it was actually a statement put out by Giants? Yeah, Giants um, made a media release and then I think it was um, I SEN. It, I think it was first reported by um, by nine newspapers journalist Peter Ryan, I think, originally had wow. the story and then the Giants responded with a media release. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm an ally to the LGBTQI community. I was pretty mad. Um, not more at her, but I was more mad at that this is still a topic and that, that, that kind of has so much say in how a sport is played. It just, it isn't relevant, you know, just leave it alone. Um, so I was pretty, I was actually, I was mad watching. I was mad for my friends too, who may feel lesser because someone wouldn't put a jersey on. Um, but like you say, she's she's new Kiwi. Uh, do you guys actually know her personally? No, we only really met her through the Giants and, and yeah. learnt about her in that regard. And I know through the social media, just reading some of the comments, there are a lot of people um, comparing her to the Israel Folau incidents, mm. which was mm. quite different. She's chosen to withdraw draw herself. He actually made statements against our community. Um, so I thought it was really an unfair comparison. Um, and, you know, there, there are people out there who then were huge supporters of Hanin, regardless of her religion, who are now gone against her. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's also a sad reflection on how, the, how it was all handled. Mm. It's. I, I think you, you make a good point, Kiwi, about the Giants' handling of it and, um, you know, that she's a kid really in a sense, 22, so young and under a lot of pressure from uh, kind of competing communities, if you like, which is a shame that they compete, but there is a competition there of sorts. Um, and, T, I'm also with you with the kind of <laughs> anger that you have felt, you know, and I do feel, um, you know, Hanine Zarika talks about inclusivity and the giants have talked about inclusivity and how they're respecting different views and that's how they demonstrate their inclusivity or one of the ways they demonstrate their inclusivity and yet she's being exclusive so that I find troubling and you know we also when you look at at the end of the day for me you know pride round is essentially about fighting homophobia so if you say hey I'm dipping out of that what does that say what message does that send and the last thing I think on this too you know that the AFL women's competition was built by queer women. Really, it was fundamentally built by queer women over, over a number of decades. And she's benefiting from that work done by queer women. So I feel a little bit having cake and eating it too, you know, and I know that that is pointing the finger at the, the individual and I like not to do that very often. And a lot of people have come out in defence of Zarika saying she is quite young, she's under immense pressure from her community, but it's troubling to be a queer person who has walked through a lot of issues in the world of homophobia and we still face that, you know, regularly to have someone we thought was, you know, one of our own in the sense of a player, a fellow woman. It's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard not to be a little disappointed. Is it safe to say the overall feeling days later is mixed emotions from her announcement? And I put it on in context of, one source that, um, that claims to have had an inside source at the GWS Giants believes it was actually um, family members pressuring her um, not to participate in the game. And I saw another tweet online by, and I wish I could remember the gentleman's name, but he was a um, gay Muslim activist. And he mentioned that he didn't have the same profile as Hanin did, but he in the past had received death threats for being a Muslim man 
speaking in favour of the, the gay community. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know if that's the case. That's just pure speculation, but we don't know what pressure has been put on her from the outside to make her step away. Yeah. yeah it's we very don't. careful. I'm trying not to say anything that will yeah. get us sued. Yeah. <laughs> There is an organization in um, Sydney called the Sydney Gay Muslims um, yes. Incorporated and, and they do a lot of work and a lot of meetings educating people about, you know, their beliefs as well as being inclusive of those who happen to be born gay. And, you know, perhaps there was an opportunity for the Giants as a club to engage them for Friday night, you know, whether they take them in and talk with the team or, you know, or bring them down to the field, invite them in and just say, you know, we are still open to learning mm. um, from both sides. and From each and, other, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or could yeah. have been That's a half-time feature about. on Fox Footy for that matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything. Yeah, seriously. Let, yeah. Let's, let's, turn to the, let's turn to the more positive of what actually happened on the day at Henson Park. And, Teresa, you can take us through a few of the things because uh, the Newtown women – well, we're originally Newtown Women's Football Club, then it expanded to include men's teams just a we couple of years inclusive. ago. Indeed. Um, <laughs> and, of course, you're part of the Guard of Honour at Henson Park, the first ever Giants game to be played at the venue. I, I wasn't part of the Guard, Peter, but oh. I was there. <laughs> Well, you should have been let in. Now we're disappointed that you were. <laughs> I had to. What were they thinking? The Plymouth moved the game so damn early, and that's a complaint of mine as well. Who can get to Henson at 5.10, 5.30 in the afternoon in a west traffic? But anyway, um, I wasn't. But we were there. I didn't get to see much of the game because we, we, were, we were trying to do our recruiting for the upcoming season. Uh, but a really lovely thing happened. Uh, we had been contacted by Bunnings, and they um, said, we've got a little something for you. Uh, and our faces, like, it was one of those missed opportunities because, you know, when you call up on a radio show and someone wins, like, so much money and they're like, thanks, you're like, what's wrong with you? That was exactly what happened to us because they turned around, they say, we've got a little something for you. We're expecting $100,000, $1,000, and it's a $10,000 uh, voucher, essentially, to use at Bunnings for our little club. Wow, that's amazing. Crazy. Uh, Completely unexpected. Someone else would have had to have nominated us, so probably uh, advise other clubs to see because I think it is a monthly thing. Um, And they were very chill about it. The gang was going on. We're kind of like, oh, I was just happy to get free hats from the Giants. So what brought this about, T? What did they just suddenly cotton on to the fact that you're all there and say we're going to come down and just give you this thing randomly? Or was, was there some lead they, up to they, that? They contacted us. So I think like someone, I think, nominated us and they contacted us and we kind of thought, oh, maybe something. And so we set up with them whole day through. We, I'll be honest, we weren't being very proactive because most of the audience were players already or ex-players. <laughs> So it was hard to convince them to come and play footy. Um, but uh, they they just turned around and we'll take a picture and they go, here you go. And our faces are just in shock and awe. It's $10,000 for a club is, is a lot. It's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's reminding me of a story, if you don't mind me just interjecting with this. Um, I played football in Victoria for a long time and back in, and I wish I knew the year exactly, I'm going to guess it around 2005, one Susan Alberti fronted up to the Victorian Women's Football League, the VWFL then, uh, with a $10,000 check. 
And it was just like all our Christmases had come, you know, because of course, as we all know, as female footballers, we've always run on the smell of an oily rag. And even though there was sort of a view that Victoria had, you know, had their shit sorted, excuse my language, um, had plenty of money, we didn't, we really didn't. So her coming to us with this check, and these days it seems like such small amount of money, doesn't it, to sort of help run big footy leagues, but it was a godsend. And she really cemented herself as the queen way back then for us. So it's nice to hear that Bunnings will pop down then to Henson Park and help out one team with $10,000. That's just great news. Yep. Would you have been more excited if they put it into an equation we all know with Bunnings? Congratulations, you've won $5,000 worth of sausage sizzle. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, I was like, how many sausages is that? <laughs> You're correct, Peter. <laughs> it was just lovely. Um, and I, I don't know. No, I don't know what's happening with the money. <laughs> There's talk of toilet seats. Um, <laughs> Wait, are you serious? Yeah, oh, <laughs> apparently we don't have toilet seats at all. They've never had toilet seats at Marnie Park. That's it was what a I ridiculous thought. renovation that they made this stainless steel bowl thing that does not have a seat. I told them it doesn't need a seat, but no one believes me. Not everyone yeah, can You're on stand your own up. on that one, T. <laughs> <laughs> and may you be flushed with success. Uh, oh, no, we- that's the second yeah. one. Peter. <laughs> It's a three strikes and you're out rule, you realise. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Kiwi, let's focus on what happened on the field. As we said, there was the guard of honour. The Giants and the Bulldogs ran through the same banner together. Of course, the Bulldogs had to hold over because they were coming back from missing two rounds worth of COVID. Alan McConnell on the hot seat last week. A little bit of pressure taken off. Well, yeah, exactly. And Emma was apologising for her lam- her language. And I think at the end of the game, we're all now well aware of Nick Nicola F. Barr. Um, wasn't she on fire? She she hasn't scored a goal. She doesn't normally play forward line either. And then kicks three and, you know, makes some really key tackles through the game. And I think Alan had said during the week to his players, um, no excuses. And they went into that game without Loins, without Dalton, without Privatelli, without Randall and without Georgia Garnett, um, as well as Hanin. So some real key outs and um, you kind of – I might have looked at that and went, oh, nah, Bulldogs are back fresh, so I might change my tips. Well, that was a fail. <laughs> um, but – you know, the rest of the team really stood strong and they kicked that goal early on and really sort of um, staked their claim that, you know, Henson Park were going to own this field and and they were solid throughout. And Bulldogs kept applying pressure and, you know, they they had enough chances going inside 50. They just couldn't put score, scoreboard pressure on. And I think what that allowed was just kept giving the Giants confidence to play their game that we haven't seen last week or the week before. And they just opened it up and they were more accurate. And every time they went forward, they were very accurate in front of goal. And and I think that really made the difference. And, you know, when you do see players like Cora, I'd, I'd love to see what her GPS is. The amount of ground that she covered when she went up you know, up and met up the halfbacks and then brought the ball forward. And and I guess the downside of that is we don't have key a key forward holding space in the Ford 50. So perhaps opportunity, you know, for a couple more goals that went astray because we didn't have targets up there. Um, but it was good to see the likes of um, Simmons, who's 
a heptathlete, I think is the sport that she, or the, the sports that she's come from. So she had a really good run on and she really showed her pace. And I think at a couple of times, just perhaps that lack of football experience cost her going forward a little bit. But, um, you know, certainly she's learning the game quick. And, and I thought Britt Stack had a really good game. Mm. I thought, you know, she was very solid and very physical for a Gaelic player. And, and you know, we all know what happened to her last year when she didn't go into a contest correctly. Um, I think now she is using her body extremely well. So she's done a lot of work in in just retraining how to how to go into contests. And um, I thought she was quite solid. And you know, even Tanya Hetherington across the back line um, saved a bunch of things. But yeah, it was good. And the young girls, Jess Doyle, who no doubt the Swans will take back last year. You know, in her second game, I thought she was fantastic too. But um, it was certainly good to see and, you know, I don't know if Al, how nervous Alan was before the game or how nervous any of the players were, but I think, you know, there were a lot of talk about if they lose this, then, you know, where to from here? You can't write off the Bulldogs. They certainly came back in the second, like third and fourth quarters. They're so young. I mean, you had to wonder how much, how much two weeks off in COVID can affect a team. And I think that's a really big example of how much it can affect a team. 20 days, actually. They hadn't played footy in 20, 20 days. days. Yeah, and it showed, didn't it? They were sluggish. Yeah. Yep. I heard that Ali Blackburn played a great first half and she was on sparingly in the second half because they, they she really burnt through her jets just in a half of footy and she's someone who's super fit. So having had COVID, I think it's really taken a toll. I think it was uh, two minutes, I think, is what they said, is all she got in the second half. Is that all? Yeah, right. Which, you know, a key player for the Bulldogs, yep. yeah, shows how hard the virus can really zap mm. quality players. But gee, weren't the Giants like Jekyll and Hyde from last week's game against North to this one? It's like, who are you? Who even are you? Can we ask them to wear their pride jumpers every week if that's what yes. they're going to play like? <laughs> Sorry, Hanin. Sorry. It's problematic, Huey. <laughs> and then, but even the other five players, like, you know, good players, does he bring them in? Or kick them out because having them out, the team played really well. So, yeah. well, real you know, it, it begs the question that forward line, of course, with, um, you know, Nick Barr kicking the three goals has obviously sort of hogged the headlines. But Lou Stevenson kicked two early goals, yes. very delightful goals as well, and was a real presence in the forward line. So between them, they've kicked five. Neither of them are regular forwards. Their regular forwards are out at the moment. What do they do now? They keep them down there? What would you do as a coach? Well, Maybe that's the option. Keep Lou as your key forward because she's tall. She is good in the air. And, you know, she kept her feet a couple of real key moments, which is probably, you know, her defensive skills. And, you know, at a tough contest, you keep your feet. The ball will bounce up to you eventually. And, you know, she, she, that's how she got one of her goals. Yeah. Um, she was a key forward as a junior for a number of years. Yeah. And she's, she's got some pretty good football awareness. So maybe there's your option. Well, T, let me ask you the question, uh, as a person that's performed at the very elite level, how much um, weight is off your shoulders when you're almost going into a uh, contest where there is no expectation? For the Giants, there were so many outs, everyone thought, well, they're struggling to put a side on the park, you know, they're really pushing it uphill. When someone says, look, you really no chance, how much does it almost just take the weight off that just go out there and do what you do? I reckon that was the message they got. I reckon from what we've seen the last couple of weeks, you know, we've said that the, it was felt like the decision-making was taken from them. So they were too scared on the field. Whereas this week it just looked like they were willing to have a go. They were willing to give it a crack. Some things came out, some didn't, but they just kept going at it. And um, it just yeah, looked like there was no fear in the way that they played. Don't forget, Kiwi, as, as we saw, the, the 
crowd was quite small beginning, but as it grew and grew, it, I mean, there were barely any Bulldog supporters in the crowd. So that had to lift them as well to be yeah. able to play in front of a, a, a friendly crowd would be, you know. And, and it was a ripping crowd. Like that yeah. heel was, by the second half, yeah. um, it was full. And um, or reasonably full, like you can still fit more in, but it had a really decent and orange, just orange, <laughs> yeah. orange, and and um, um, Michael Stiletto running around with his flag and really getting everyone up and singing. And he was down one end behind the goal, saying, "Here come the Giants!" And at the other end of the field, you could hear him as clear as day. Um, that's the shape of Henson Park. So um, yeah, that would have carried absolute. It would have carried through the field because we could smell the barbecue from the other side. So the players would have heard it. They would have smelt the barbecue. They would have heard the cheering. <laughs> it's a great vibe down there. Running's for everybody. I was hungry. I was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Katie Loins, and you're listening to The Coat Hanger. Let's move on to the second quarter and uh, a, a condensed week of football. We still had one game remaining from round three, and it was played on Tuesday night in which the Lions 63 beat Carlton 28. We're going to talk about how these sides had to back up again because the Lions would play again on Saturday night, which they'd only win by two points against the Cats. Carlton would have to jump on a plane at 1.30 in the morning and their players be home at 4am in the morning and then back up on Sunday for a five-goal loss to North Melbourne. They're not the only side that's travelling. The Bulldogs will be playing uh, this Tuesday night. We're recording before then. They'll be playing against the Fremantle Dockers. Uh, The other games in the round, uh, the Crows 35 over 21 against uh, Melbourne and uh, of course we had uh, the Gold Coast Suns hanging on in a thriller against Richmond St Kilda and the West Coast Eagles Collingwood in the West Coast Eagles postponed due to uh, COVID in the West Coast uh, program but before I touch on the individual results let's talk about this bunching of games and the effects it's having on players not just that crazy flight time but Emma Phillips we've seen on Twitter, uh, Jess Wuchner talk about how with her work outside of footy that she had to turn down Tuesdays to be able to play that Tuesday game and that role that she was doing has been given away to another employee or contractor with who she's working with and she says she's virtually lost half her income. She says she's not blaming the AFL, but if I look at it, I think it is completely the AFL's fault <laughs> if all of a sudden your players are losing half their income away from the game. Yeah, look, you just nailed it, Peter. And I think if Jess Wishner is prepared to tweet that, then it's serious for her. And she it's a reach out also to say, hey, you know, things this is not working for me very well. I don't know how many avenues the players have really to go through to have these kinds of concerns addressed. I know I spoke with Lisa Steen last week. We had her on, on the show uh, and she touched briefly on the difficulties at the moment. Well, the difficulties at the best of times for players, of course, that we've talked about many times over in, um, you know, various podcasts and the media covering AFLW talk about this regularly. The best of times it's hard for part-time players, but at the moment it's a real struggle and that's staying the bleeding obvious. So, uh, you know, I, I think about what are those pathways and avenues for players to have this kind of thing redressed if Wushner is losing half of her income. And then there's the issue of job security. What is it long-term for her? If she's got a few more years of footy, what follows that if she doesn't have any job security or little job security? What is the AFL actually doing to help out players in this regard? And are we at a point where they really do need to start actually throwing money at the at the problem, you know, putting money in the pockets of players immediately. There is a serious problem here. Can I ask you, Emma, um, where where do you think the money can come from? Because I know the tickets were $10 to go to Henson, yep. so you're not going to get it out of ticket sales. Yep. 
you know, where can it come from? Yeah, the, the AFL always like us to ask those kinds of questions because, mm. you know, they make it seem like, well, the women's comp, it's a fledgling comp and there isn't enough money in it and we haven't got the sponsors and we haven't got the TV coverage and so forth. And I always think, you know, like any organisation, not just a sporting organisation, it's about priorities, not about whether they've got the money. And we know for sure that the AFL have got the money. There's simply no question about that. It is just a matter of where they are prioritising spending that money. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Well, hopefully they listen to you, Emma. (laughs) (laughs) That would be nice. (laughs) And the players. I mean, I certainly know that, you know, the players have been crying out for years for a much more equitable approach to their football, and that's in terms of the the amount of time they get with their clubs, i.e. being beyond, you know, bigger than semi-professional players, being full-time athletes, having much longer seasons and being paid appropriately. You know, there's a gigantic wage gap between the genders at the moment and, needs to change we know the afl players association who speak regularly with the afl are in a compromised position because they actually are funded by the afl and of course we saw when there was the last cba negotiations when it originally failed and didn't get past that uh uh two-thirds threshold that uh, when there was the faction holding out there was a bit of undermining of the faction that was holding out the question is and this is a hot button question Will there ever be a time where the women turn around and say, well, no, actually, I should correct myself, women and non-binary players in the competition uh, strike and say, no, no more. We're not running out there until issue A, B and C are sorted out. Wouldn't it be amazing to see that, really? And I, I, I wonder whether we'll, I no, wonder whether we'll get to that point. You know, there's a lot. Of, I think there's a lot of talk generally, and I'm talking well outside football at the moment about women's anger. You know, and in light of the the Grace Tame scenario this week with her not smiling for the PM and so forth, it's sort of spurned a lot of conversation about um, this growing sense that women are more. It's more permissive for women to speak about the anger we've had for a long time. You know, about many issues, and I know a lot of players in the AFLW are really angry at the fact that they're not treated the same way that their male counterparts are. And if they've grown up in this way as well, it's not just a brand new thing for them. You know, we all know this as women as well. So wouldn't a strike be great? They just put the tools down and say, that's it. Yep. I I can't see it happening in the near future, but we can only hope. Well, the current CBA that they're on expires the season. So the next time they go in to negotiate, they're going to have all this information of how staying in the hub. So, you know, that's three teams now, um, Giants last year and Frio and West Coast this season that have had a month away from home. So a daily wage that wasn't you know, pre-negotiated, so that's been added in. And then the teams that are playing, you know, Tuesday nights or Thursday nights, which, you know, requires a whole lot of time off work. So there's extra things now that I think is just fuel to fight that fire. Mm. Um, and maybe, you know, they can talk with the Matildas because the Matildas did this mm. a few years ago. I think it was five or six years ago. They all went on strike um, for one of their tours overseas and then one player stepped out of it and that slowed down the negotiations because she was like, no, no, I think we can play. Mm. So they all need to stay strong. And I think last time what happened, it was four four teams refused to sign off on that initial CBA and that just stalled a little bit until those four were then pressured to go with the flow with the rest. And so, you know, hopefully now more will stand strong and will, um, you know, the players make the decision rather than be forced into it would be would be good to see. Yeah. 
Yeah, well said, Kiwi. AFLW, where the off-field issues seem to be outstanding than the on-field issues, which is a shame because there is teams performing well. There is some good football. And, T, let me start with you first. What stood out to you this weekend? Thanks, Peter. Um, (laughs) Oh, look, the Suns getting their – is it their second win ever? Is that right? First ever time they've won back-to-back as well. There we go. That's it. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty amazing. And I think, you know, I'd, again, I'm, I'm probably later into AFL than uh, than a lot of you, but I always feel like the Suns seem to have it up against it, both the male and male and female team. So I, I, I'm a little bit happy for them. I, it's great. It's not, I don't, it's, in some ways, I don't feel like the Gold Coast is a traditional AFL hub, but I think obviously it is. But um, yeah, to beat Richmond, amazing. I might, I might have to switch allegiances. I'm not tied to anyone yet. <laughs> hey, I bet you've got a bunch of cousins on the Gold Coast too. I probably do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, the Suns played, gee, some outstanding football, didn't they? They they were in that game from the beginning and then Richmond came back and they got a couple of goals. But the Suns, like last week, just didn't give up. And, you know, it's it's good to see, you know, the likes of Sarah Perkins stand up. Howth was solid, like, um, and Sermon. Gee, she's a little pocket rocket, isn't she? Just solid every week. But just collectively and, you know, and I know Charlie Rowbottom, we talk about her and she does a bit through the midfield. But just as a team, I think they've just got performers all over and they're all, um, you know, um, the goal that, Sarah Perkins handballed off. I was just going to mention the same thing, Kelly. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I can't remember who scored it. Um, Shane but, Hammond, in Hammond. Her, with her yeah. first goal. It, yeah, yeah. There you go. But it was it's teamwork. You know, it could have been just as easy for Perko to pivot around on her right foot and snap that through. But instead, she slide a hand, handball through a little gap to the player running on who kicked her first goal and how excited they were. But it's just they're all working for each other. And I'm not saying Richmond weren't, but I think they just came against a really solid Suns team who are just, you know, they got a taste of victory last week and they're just super hungry and it's it's really, really good to see. They're playing with a huge amount of spirit, aren't they, which I think always sounds a little bit patronising, but it's really true. They really look like they want to do it for each other, don't they? And the smiles and the way they cheer yeah. and the way they sing their song, it's, it's yeah, it is something a little bit different. It's, it is good to see. And, um, you know, there were some solid performers, you know, with the Richmond team. Um, they've got one player who's under a bit of an injury crowd, but they're fairly certain it's not an ACL. So um, let's hope it isn't, but, um, you know, I don't know how anyone can stop Monconti. You know, she's yeah. just sublime. And, and, you know, Katie Brennan, the way she kicks a goal, I think she did miss one, but it's um, she kicks some really key goals when, you know, even when um, Bernardi dislocated her finger, um, Katie was, yep, I'll take this and, and you know, wasn't going to miss. But, you know, they've got some solid players in their team and they're playing some really good football as well. And they probably won't be too happy to not get the four points against the Suns, but, you know, they'll, they'll get wins without a doubt. Let me raise two Victorian clubs for you, Western Bulldogs and Carlton, with their performances over the weekend. We talk about how the Bulldogs lost to GWS. Um, do they get a leave pass this week, considering three weeks off with COVID? Yes, Huntington was missing. They did have that poor performance in round one. They are on Tuesday night, unfortunately, having to face the Fremantle Dockers. Do we kind of give the Bulldogs a leave pass? Do we maybe say for Nathan Burke this year's just a write-off and focus on next season? 
It's it's Oof. looking that way. <laughs> it is looking that way for them, isn't it? Really, it's sort of sad at the not even halfway point to put a line through a team, but it is shaping up that way, you know. And I think that thinking about someone like Ali Blackburn only really playing a half of football on the back of having had COVID with 20 days of no footy, you know, is a real flag, isn't it? Um, and no Izzy Huntington, of course. And then they've got these late night flights they're forced to take back and the recovery is not good. And they're, they're ne- next time around, it's a short space between games. What? Where can we find the positives for them? Where, where can we find the wins for them? It's hard to see it. I think um, Nathan just has to ring Alan McConnell and say, what'd you do? Because <laughs> is he at the same level now? Sling where a couple of defenders up to say, You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, he, I mean, he was missing Brooke Lachlan too, and you know, perhaps she could mm. attest to the speed of the Giants' defenders. Um, but yeah, he, you know, is he under the same kind of pressure? And you know, he's in that Melbourne bubble too. So, um, you know, he, he's got Debbie Lee down there, who's pretty, pretty strong and pretty passionate um, footballer, and and at the Bulldogs, you know what kind of things going on and, and he's for years has recruited young players under 18 players so by now he's got some that are, should be coming into their game and being really solid but they look to me like they're still developing and I just think AFRW you can't be developing you have to be developed you just have to be picking good players and not think ahead five years they're going to be good and perhaps the Bulldogs will in 10 years time absolutely dominate but right now they're not doing it so what damage does it do for your brand for your confidence your players um, and and the fans if they stick around but next year two more um, Melbourne teams come in so do they take some of these young kids that you've been developing mm. well, so it's not just bleak for this season Kiwi but you're writing them off for a couple perhaps I thought I was too glass half empty, but. (laughs) Well, I I asked last week if the jungle drums would be beaten for Alan uh, McConnell. The question is, is there a whole rhythm section at the moment going for Daniel Harford? (laughs) Because in the next two weeks as well, Carlton are going to be playing the top two teams, Adelaide and Fremantle. And already the Carlton supporters are starting to get feral online. That's not like Carlton supporters. (laughs) They shouldn't be, like, beating up on the one good team they've got. Seriously. Wow. Yeah, I thought they just – they looked tired. They really did look tired. And I don't know, there's just some some players that just go hot and cold in the game. And I think that doesn't help because those moments you are cold, opposition like North are going to come and really cut through you. And that's what they did. They got some, you know, really important goals and, um, you know, Carlton – got wide, got loose, got some really good football and then just didn't do enough. And, you know, I just – I think they've got some good players they're not making best use of. Mm, mm. I, I look at that. Yeah, yeah. I watched Carlton quite carefully today and, and, and have done regularly this season. They seem to me to be quite the enigma because Carlton have a, a stack of stars. They really do. Like on every line mm. we're talking high-quality players and they just can't seem to put it together. They should be. They should be right up there in the top four. And they're not, and I don't, I don't know what's going on for Carlton. What, what, what can they do different? You know, I mean, they've got, they've moved Nick Stevens from back to forward. She, she's a star in my mind. You've got Prasparkas in the middle. You know, you've got their defensive line, which is absolutely A grade. They've got some young player, very young players up and coming, and some new ones today as well. Darcy Vestia. I mean, I think my my two senses is they should play Vestia much higher up the ground. Silky skills like that just get into the game. And what a waste. You know what, you know what I reckon? I reckon Matty P goes a little bit hot and cold, right? 
Get her in to win the grunt of the ball and have Darcy running off her shoulder and I reckon Darcy will create stuff. Get Maddie to do the grunt, Darcy to work the magic and then hit up, you know, you know, Keely Shirah was fantastic. She's a young mm. Eastern Rangers player. I thought she was fantastic. Um, Brooke Vickers is, is another youngster that's coming to the team this year. They've got some speed. They've got some wheels. Georgia G, and I think – the way that Darcy can move that ball and kick it off different angles and put it in the right spot for those speedsters to run through and be supported with the likes mm. of Nick Stevens. And, and I think they'll look a little bit different because mm. they've got quality. You know, they've got Delpost, they've got um, O'Day in that midfield. They've got quality players. Yep. They should be doing Harrington better. Harrington their back line. You know. yeah, Lucy, Lucy McAvoy's fantastic. Bree Moody's cut so much off yep. for them. Like, yep. yeah, they've got some great players. They're just not doing enough. Is so it, is the heat on Harford, do we think? I mean, it really, it comes back to the coach ultimately, right? Big jungle drums. Big, big, huge, <laughs> huge. But, I don't know. But, 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 is, offering, it, Kiwi? but, but is it a, deep, <laughs> That's right. is it a deeper culture problem at Carlton when in their existence they've already lost three captains? Arnell went to Brisbane. Bree Davey went to Collingwood. Katie Loins went to GWS. Hmm. Mm. Mm. What does that say about why, why, why aren't they staying? Why that's right. That's a good question. When your leaders are prepared to leave so easily, something's not right. Yeah. And remember last year, Lawrence and Danny were so-called retired by the club and they both found new that's homes. Right. Find out, Kiwi. Get in there and find out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move into the third quarter and the tipping competition. Now, normally it would be Tracy Kick doing it, but uh, she's being managed this week. So we'll give it across to Coach Kiwi. Coach Kiwi, what does the tipping look like at this moment after, if we can call it round four or whatever way they're doing the fixture at the moment? Yeah, look, I reckon there's a big chunk of our um, tipsters, and we talked to a few of them on Friday night. Similar situation to me, and I think M and even Fee, we all just our it, tips blown out of the water. Um, you know, there's a chunk of us that, and I'm probably guessing Natty P would have tipped Collingwood for Thursday night, um, and you know, Frio dominate. I don't even know who was wearing the black and white jumpers for a while there. Um, and then, you know, obviously we went against the Giants and we were burnt that way. And um, you know, it's it, it was a tough round, and and it's good. That's what we wanted. We want it to be nice and open. So we actually have some new leaders on our leaderboard. We've got Jason Curry. We've got Jess Rook. They're right up there, one and two. We've got um, a massive fan of the show, Stacey. G'day, Stacey, down in Wollongong, if you're home from your concert today. Um, and then coming in fourth place, somebody called Milka or Yo Manda, who's got a terrible profile picture. Oh, my God, how did we let him into the comp? I just saw his profile. It's that Eddie M guy. Um, but I will give a huge shout-out. There's a few people that tip five, but – there is the one and the only Troy Thompson, aka Crash, who is a massive fan of women's football. He um, he is who I blame for getting me down to Darabin, um, and he is he's a he's a legend down at Darabin Falcons. His daughter plays down there. He he picks six out of six for the round. So hats off to you, Troy. Um, but yeah, I'm not even going to say where the rest of us are sitting, um, but. 
It was a bit of a slide, wasn't there, Kiwi? It's a bit of a slide, but Elvis <laughs> Presley, Elvis Presley is holding the bottom spot. And I'm sorry, Elvis, you've been down there a while. Come on, buddy. Get your tips up. We look ahead to round five. Uh, coming up with this round, subject to change, GWS and St Kilda. Geelong versus the West Coast Eagles on Friday night on Saturday. Brisbane Lions, Collingwood, Western Bulldogs versus Richmond in a very heated rivalry on Sunday. Kangaroos versus Fremantle, Carlton versus the Adelaide Crows and Melbourne versus the Gold Coast Suns will round out that Sunday football. Uh, Coach Kiwi, what game takes your fancy out of the menu for round five? Well, I, I mean, you know, for the Sydney siders, I think you're going to be watching. You're going to have a, a really solid look at that GWS game, aren't you? You're going to see if if they can back up their form. You're going to see who gets selected, who comes back in, because you know there's there's that unwritten code if you don't change what works, right? So um, so that's going to be an exciting game, I think. Um, I've got some friends who are Blues fans and I think they're going to be well, well worried this week. Um, and then I guess the Collingwood supporters, they're going to, you know, head up to Brisbane and play, or Maroochydore it is and play against um, Alliance team where really Collingwood need the points to stay in touch with those leaders if they really want to threaten to win a premiership after last week. I just think that's probably where they need to um, force their way back. Um, and then for the young sons, young sons against the experienced old folks from Demons <laughs> who've and not an old in age as an old with footy minds. Um, that'll be I think that'll be an interesting match. Because Melbourne don't always win out at Casey Fields. Thanks for taking all the matches, Kiwi. Oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Go T, which is your game you're looking forward to? I mean, you said them. I mean, look, I'm going to stick with my, my new team, the Suns. <laughs> Your new girl didn't take long to settle, did she? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, no, look, Gold Coast Melbourne, that'll be a fantastic uh, lineup. Why not? I'll, I'll throw them a bone. Geelong versus Cat versus West Coast. Trial, you know, challenge of the bottom. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see who comes up. <laughs> I think Geelong, like, well, I mean, who knows how West Coast bounce back and if they get to play that game, I guess, as well. But um, Geelong, is, did Geelong are going to get their win. The mm. football that they're playing, they're going to get a win really soon. Um, boy, they're going to celebrate when they get it, hey? Boy, are they what? Well, you know, we thought the Suns were exciting. I think yeah. we'll see a bit of that with Geelong when they, when they do it. But, yeah, they're playing some good footy. It's just bad luck on the scoreboard, I guess. The same little problem they've got is just not getting that score, but they're getting better at – getting some scores, just still not quite quality enough. But the rest of how they go about their game and move the ball ball around the field, I think Geelong have um, improved massively. Mm. I think also the standout really for the round has got to be North and Frio, the two top four sides that are meeting. Um, my North Melbourne heart, of course, says that North will win this, but I fear that Frio will, will take this one. I think they're in real, really serious form, Frio. And they were my pick before the season started, a sort of quiet achievers, Fremantle, and they're really beginning to hit their stride. Um, it'll sort out a few things, I think, this game. We'll, we'll know a lot more after it. So that's my pick of the round. And well, we sort of thought for the, this round that just happened, but it, <laughs> it all went up in the air. So anything could happen, AFL, <laughs> AFLW at the moment. And personally, my, my uh, one is the Western Bulldogs and Richmond to see who goes the knuckle, either on the field or in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> um, that game also for those um, traditionalists down in Melbourne is the last game or last, yeah, last game that you can sit in the EJ Witten grandstand. 
because apparently after that they just start pulling it all down. So um, I have no idea where Sue Alberti will sit after that. Just, she has her seat. She better come down with her $10,000 check and buy herself a grandstand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ironically, you've got a check from Bunnings. You'll be able to get her a few of those white plastic seats. <laughs> those plastic seats. There you go. <laughs> well, just about time for us to go here on the Code Hang. Before we go, Tarina, tell us what you've got coming up. I believe you've got a few gigs on the way. I do, I do. I do a little bit of stand-up comedy amongst other things. Um, so I've got my first solo show at Sydney Sideshow, Sydney Fringe Sideshow. So obviously with COVID, Sydney Fringe got cancelled another time. So they're putting on a sideshow over February. Um, so there's a whole bunch of stuff. Head to the website and uh, some good friends and I are, are doing the comedy shows. Um, so you can see lineup shows and solo shows and things that should have been on at the Fringe in September. Um, so looking forward to that. That's going to be great. And a great venue. It's called The Terrace um, uh, down at the Rocks, which uh, not a lot of people know about, but um, looking forward to being right and in, in amongst it, maybe. <laughs> maybe COVID safe, maybe. <laughs> so do we call you Sideshow T now? Or you've got a friend, Sideshow Bob, that stands here with you. <laughs> and that wraps up the main part of the show for this week. So our thanks to Lisa, Coach Kiwi Roper, Emma Phillips, our special guest co-host, Tarina Taiti, and, of course, I'm Peter Holden, filling in for the amazing Fee Lamb. Now we go to the fifth quarter, where during the week, Tracy Kick caught up with Phoebe Monaghan from the Brisbane Lions. <laughs> Uh, this week I had a great chance to catch up with Phoebe Monaghan from the Brisbane Lions to talk about all things footy, her journey to footy and uh, how she's going up there in Brisbane. Welcome, Phoebe. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to catch up with you, Trace. Absolutely. Um, well, I've got a few questions for us to explore, but um, I guess the first one is um, last week you played your 25th game. That's really exciting. Congratulations. And you've done that across three clubs in the AFLW. So I'm just wondering what's kind of your journey been like in the AFLW generally? Like how would you kind of summarise that? Yeah, I have I've moved up and down the coast a little bit, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think obviously um, when I first started, I was drafted to the Giants. And um, at the time I was, you know, living in Sydney and uh playing for UNSW and, and got signed locally there, which was a great experience and um, obviously learned a lot through Alan McConnell and, and the players there. And um, obviously my home is in Melbourne and uh, with Richmond joining the competition a couple of years later, um, the opportunity came up to yeah move back home and, and sign with the Tigers for their inaugural season. And um, I kind of jumped at that uh opportunity and and to be honest I've probably saw myself playing my career out at Richmond um however fortunately for me um that didn't work out and you know some doors close so that others can open and I couldn't be happier being up here in Brizzy now with the Lions um yeah it's just it's been a, a real refresher for me to to move up here to Queensland and you know the Sunshine State and just be amongst a really hardworking and fun group of girls and just kind of um, re like refound that love for footy, I guess, that I'd kind of lost a little bit um, at the back end of my season with Richmond and, 
you know, I kind of left there with about a slither of confidence and it's, it's definitely come back in waves since I've been up here at the Lions. So really loving it up here. Yeah, it's really showing in your footy too because you look really confident out there. You know, really great attack on the footy. Um, and did that, did, was it easy to negotiate the, the Brisbane situation? What did it come about? Um, because I know that, you know, back in the beginning of, of looking to be drafted, you'd gone up to Brisbane and done some, um, some work on their trial days with Craig and the team and sort of did it come about because of that connection or did it come about somehow else? Yeah, it's um, it, yeah, it's funny. I kind of feel like, in a way, I, I was always meant to be up here. Um, I just took the long way around, but um, obviously, you know, everything happens for a reason, and I've definitely got a lot of learnings and and met some great people along the way. But yeah, I originally trialed with Brizzy before I was drafted to the Giants, and um, just for me at the time, I was living in in Sydney with my partner and my whole life was kind of there. So it made sense to nominate for New South Wales. Um, and then, yeah, obviously when I was let go from Richmond, I, I was probably at a, in a space where I, to be honest, didn't really want to keep playing football. And I just, you know, lost that love and drive with it. And then I had a chat with Bree Brock and, and Craig and, um, it was a big decision to make to move up here, but I, I kind of just felt like I didn't want to live a life thinking, or oh, what if, you know, if I didn't take the opportunity. And I'm, I'm really, really happy that I did because, as I said, I've, I've just kind of re-fallen in love with, with football and um, just got that drive back to, to yeah, just love the sport and the group I'm with and, yeah, just enjoying it I think is the main thing for me. Yeah, it's so important, isn't it? I mean, you've got to be enjoying what you do, you know. Um, you know, it's a part-time job, I guess. Um, and so how are you managing with work and uh, the COVID situation? You know, what have been some challenges for you or opportunities and, uh, you know, how you're settling into life in Brizzy? Yeah, oh, COVID, it's, I was hoping I'd escaped it when I left Victoria, having to, you know, live with it for two years down there, but it has thrown a few spanners, you know, in the works up here, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's around and everyone's aware of it. But um, I think a big uh, mentality up at the lines is, you know, we'll, we'll play anyone, anywhere, anytime. So it's, you know, we're, we are ready to go whenever we need to be, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what else, what else would you ask? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess what else is... I just got stuck on bloody COVID because yeah, it's... exactly. We all do. So definitely one of those points. What else is working for you? You know, how you're balancing work and training and um, enjoying yep. life in your new setup in Brizzy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was obviously another dis- big decision um, moving into state with, with work. Obviously, you know, we still have to work full time to pay the bills and the mortgage and, and, and everything else. But, um, I was lucky enough to, um, be transferred with my workplace in Fulton Hogan up here in Brisbane. Um, however, unfortunately the work site that I was on up here was just, you know, an hour away from home and from training and the commute got a bit much on top of our training hours. Um, and that's just one of the, you know, one of the things you have to juggle trying to, um, you know, commit to the the AFLW schedule and try and balance a full-time job. It, it is hard and it can be really difficult for some girls, but I've been very lucky that I've always been pretty supported and amongst like a flexible workplace that's always allowed me to, um, I guess, fit my AFLW schedule around 
work. Like they've, they've always been really good with that. So yeah, I've got a good balance and, um, I've just yeah taken on some casual work through the club, just doing some like warehouse work, pretty basic stuff, but I'm, I'm there with five other uh, Lions girls and we get to yeah have a bit of fun at work and, and not take it too seriously during the season, which is great. Um, but yeah, really lucky for me in that, in that situation. Yeah. Awesome. And what are you focusing on for yourself in terms of, I guess, you know, areas or, or things that you really want to do and achieve, in your footy career at the moment, you're in a team, the reigning premiers, there's some great opportunities. Um, you know, sadly, you've lost Lutzi to a need probably, uh, given you were maybe potentially amped up your role a little bit uh, across the back line. So, yeah, yeah. how are you um, approaching it? Yeah, I think approaching this season, um, as I mentioned earlier, like I was at a place where I wasn't even sure if I wanted to continue footy. Um, but yeah, since moving up here and, and getting around the group, I've just, I've just fallen back in love with it and, and really got that drive back again to just enjoy what I'm doing and do it well. Um, especially coming into a premiership team and into the Lions back line, which is elite. <laughs> um, you know, I was, I was fully prepared that I might not play a game because, they're such a good group and they've got so much depth and, and talent all across the ground. But, um, you know, I, I put in as much work as I could. Um, and I was, yeah, just fortunate that I was in form, um, the time of the season rolled around and, and able to slot into the, the back line really well. And that's a credit to all those girls. Like they're so composed and the communication out there is just elite and it just made it so much easier to kind of play my role and, um, and learn the way the, the team does play and wants to play. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very much enjoying it and very grateful that I have been able to pull on the, the Lions jumper three times now and, yeah, I can't wait for, for more. And obviously... Round one, um, losing Lutzi, I think it was a big shock to everyone. Um, she's, you know, she's been a general down there for, for the whole group since the inception of the the league. And, um, yeah, it was shattering to see her go down. And I said to her when we got home, because she's my housemate, I said, look, we didn't even get to play together. Um, I was on the bench and she came off and I came on for her. So um, definitely hope I can um, stick around and, and get out there with her next year. Yeah, absolutely. Your first few games have been sensational, so um, can't wait to see what else you can do. Um, it's no secret amongst the Coat Hanger crew that um, I've been a Lions fan since my dad was a foundation member of the Brisbane Bears in the 80s when I moved to the Gold Coast as a kid. So, um, so you know, my bias is clear. Um, so, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to what else you can do. Um, and anything else you want to tell us about? Babes that uh, you know that maybe the listeners might want to know about Brizzy and how you're traveling. What's your next few weeks look like? Oh, put me on the spot. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're just um, obviously we had a little bit of a shake up, you know, to the start of our season with the um, the COVID protocols and and whatnot. But um, we got Collingwood this week, which will be a, a good a good test and then St Kilda and Melbourne so we've got a, a few games that we're looking forward to cracking into and we just want to get our style of play I guess at the forefront of those games because we feel extremely confident that if, if we play well and do what we want to do with the footy that we'll get the results we want so yeah looking forward to cracking in and 
and yeah, see what happens. Well, thanks so much, Phoebes. Um, thanks for talk to, talking to us at the Coat Hanger, and um, I hope all those games actually get played um, and that your season doesn't get too interrupted. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Heaps. Thank you.